You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Would you like an alien for Christmas this year? I might like an alien friend anyway. Guys, welcome to the first of our What's News series. We're going to be doing this on Thursdays, sometimes Tuesdays this month, but look for it to switch to mostly on Thursdays. You'll be getting episodes of what is new and what is going on in geek culture and what we as Christians think about what is new going on in geek culture. We made this so that uh, next time Bob Iger becomes CEO of Disney again, I have a chance to talk about it without having to schedule a month ahead of time. That's not why. But there are a lot of things like that that we almost got about talked about and weren't able to because we scheduled pretty far in advance. So we're offering you this so that we can talk about more relevant topics for you guys on Thursdays. Tuesdays will be more of your deep cuts. This is Systematic Ecology. We are the priest to the geeks. Pastor Will is waiting on me to introduce us. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll. I'm also co-host of the Whole Church Podcast. And I've been binge watching Titans, which I've already watched all the way through, but season four started. So I watched it all the way through again. And yes, I've watched it all the way through twice in the last like month and a half or something. I like it a lot. Pastor Will, what you been up to? Nice. That is something on my radar that I definitely want to watch at some point. And we've been binging other things on HBO and HBO Max. So, And that's on there and it's staring at me. I just have to find oh, yeah, yeah. so We're much content. So actually going to be doing an HBO series coming up early next year too. Boom. So, quick yeah, plug, yeah. Pretty strong streaming service. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I'm your favorite co-host named Will. Um, I don't think there are other co-hosts out there named Will, but uh, Wilbo Baggins, Chill Will from Chapel Hill. Will it's been thrill. it's been a rough um, few days for to be a Tar Heel sports fan, so I'm definitely not geeking out on that. Uh, but happy to be with you guys, and I'm glad that we're able to have this conversation around things that are new or news, what's happening, because man, there's no shortage of content and we're happy to give us our our quick review, happy to give you our quick review or our quick hot take, or who knows, when Josh and I get together, we go down the road, we might find a theological nugget and then stay on that for 45 minutes. It's been known to happen. It's been known (laughs) to happen. We'll see. Well, with that, let's let's jump into it. Let's jump into it. Let's talk about what's news. You've already touched some of the sports we've been geeking out on. So let me just do a shout out Uh, for those who don't know. I love college football. My favorite team is the Florida State Seminoles. Mm. For the first time since 2016, we beat both in-state rivals, beating Florida Gators. Super excited about that. And my second favorite team is literally whoever's playing Clemson that week. And uh, this was the second time that that my second favorite team won this year. So Clemson has two lost. And this one was to their rivalry, their first loss at home in a while. (laughs) I, I was pretty happy. I was yeah, pretty yeah. darn and, happy for this rivalry week. <laughs> so I guess you're going to be a North Carolina Tar Heel fan this weekend when uh, oh, yeah. Tar Heels play Clemson, the ACC. <laughs> That's my second favorite team now that the Gamecocks are, game is over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just it switches week to week, man. <laughs> Oof, not looking good, oh, but we'll, we'll, we'll have fun. I, I saw a meme yeah. the other day that was like, please don't put all your self-worth on 19-year-olds playing uh, a sports game. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, like, listen, my yeah, quarterback's you know, like 21. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know, I know. I, I really hope Travis Jordan comes back for another season. Him, Benson, and uh, I can't think of the one wide receiver's name, but man, what a dynamic trio in college football right now. And I'm like, if y'all just would have pulled some of these last four wins, if you would have pulled it together earlier, Florida mm. State might be in that. You know, we're already at like 13 or something. We might have been up in the top four if they would have pulled it off earlier in the season and kept it up. Fantastic. We'll see next year, though. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, hey. You want to talk about some of the more traditional geeky stuff? Let's do it. With our with our what's news. 
If you weren't aware, the Guardians of the Galaxy had a Christmas special dropped the day after Thanksgiving, which, hey, hats off to MCU for waiting till after Thanksgiving. Y'all know that's very important to me. Man, so thank yeah. you. Thank you, MCU. <laughs> um, I don't I don't even know where to start. It was it, for me. It was just so much fun. I won't see it was an excellent piece of film or it was artistically done like uh, Werewolf at Night. That was artistically done. That was a beautiful masterpiece of art. This was just fun for me. This was just so much fun. I like this. uh, You know, you have the MCU in the movies. You have the Disney uh, Plus shows, uh, episodic series. And then they're rolling out these kind of one shots specials. They did it with at Halloween with uh, Werewolf by Night. Um, And now they do this with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy with the Christmas uh, special. And so, yeah, a 45-minute one-shot. Sometimes in comics, they have these big uh, story arcs that span 6 to 12 issues, and they're one big collective story, or they're just a one-shot, self-contained story, not going anywhere else. Now, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. We're going to talk about another series later on that wasn't as fun, but, but super deep. This one was just like, a lot of fun and not very deep. It, there's a few nuggets here and there building on the MCU and the Guardians characters yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it was just like, let's have fun. Let's talk about uh, these things and, and go from there. Yeah, we had a p- pretty big uh, character information drop <laughs> concerning uh, Mantis and uh, Star-Lord and some other, you know, characters involved. And I was like, man, I wasn't expecting them to drop anything significant in this, you know. So they kind of dropped some important character development in there for the team but also kept it light, fun, and just happy. You're a very generic Christmas kind of story, right? Like, oh, man, the Christmas spirit overcome and everybody learned what Christmas is and are happier now. And I'm like, yeah, that was great. And and we were I was wondering for me personally, I was like, what are they going to do for the music? Because that's the big part of Guardians. It's like the music. Right. And I was like, I, I pride myself on having this huge. I call it the hol- holiday variety pack playlist on Spotify. And I got like Hanukkah, Christmas. I have trap music for Christmas. I have uh, rock, rap, classic, all of it. And I was like, what are they, they going to pull? What are they going to pull? I think they pulled mostly songs that I didn't have on there. And they made up a couple of songs for this. Yeah, James Gunn is known for his soundtracks for the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, Volume 2, and then even what he's done with Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, like his soundtrack and what he what he pulls in terms of of um, you know music to back up his story is just uh, legendary, and so I, going into this, I was ready for that that soundtrack. And you know, he even they made up a song. They brought in a, a, <laughs> a band, the old ninety sevens, to play these aliens. And the name of the song, and this is kind of the uh, the epitome of, or kind of I think gives a snapshot of what this show is all about, um, was that the, the main song that they played was "I Don't Know What Christmas Is." But Christmas time is here. And so that's kind of like you wouldn't expect an alien world, all this stuff. A holiday revolved around a first century rabbi who was killed by the state, um, you know, born in a manger under humble means. You wouldn't think that like all the galaxy knows uh, about like this, this uh, thing that happened on, on earth, other than perhaps maybe what star Lord had given them. But in terms of them understanding what Christmas is all about, they, they don't get it. And that was the parody. <laughs> that was the Whoa, point so of the whole though. thing is that like, they don't know what Christmas they, they're, if someone heard about what this tradition around a jolly old guy who breaks into people's houses and gives them toys like that, it, it, uh, it is, it was hilarious. And, and, and then kind of star Lord's background or shot of like saying like, 
no, no. Like as they're singing the song, he's like, no, that's not what it's about. What are you guys talking about? Um, <laughs> no, that was, was, that was, was so super, was super fun. And, and we've kind of seen other characters, the, the lesser known characters or that gets a lot of limelight tracks and, and Mantis, especially Mantis got a little bit more of the limelight because she hasn't been in a lot of the movies. She hasn't got a lot of attention. So oh, yeah. she really kind of, this is her time to shine. And I'll, and I'll share like there, there are some moments where I'm like, man, I don't know if I like this duo of Mantis and Drax. They, they're kind of getting on my nerves a little bit. I love them. <laughs> I, they, they, for me at first, it was kind of like, I had to get used to it or understand it. It, it was fun. It was good. But, but those two, some, they're bantering back and forth or getting or yelling at each other or get, I, I, it just weird on me a little bit. Maybe it was just the mood I was I, in, but but it, by the end of the show, by the end of the special, I, I had a lot of fun and, and I definitely it warmed my heart. So it was good. I cracked up at the gift Mantis got Drax. That like I, oh, it was so fu- like it was so predictable but so funny. Yeah, and, you yeah. Know, and that, that was that was kind of the theme for a lot of it. It was predictable but funny. You know, Kevin Bacon was kidnapped. And of course, at the end, there was this heartwilled thing, and he ended up deciding to come back and share the Christmas spirit. And he's like, well. Yeah, predictable. But man, it was cool. It was good. I um I, I don't think there was any real complaints I had about it, but there wasn't a ton of substance to it. Right. It was just kind of right. it was fun. You know, it was good Christmas fun, something I needed to kickstart my holiday season this year. So, uh, you know, if I'm going to rate it zero to ten, I'll probably give it a seven. It was really good, but there wasn't enough substance for me to rank it like super high, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um it depends on where you're at and what you're kind of looking for, but, but I'm right there with you. I'll probably give it a seven. I think, you know, that when you think about holiday specials, the, the infamous one, the, the legendary one is the star Wars holiday special, which makes people go, <laughs> Oh, what's yeah. going on? It's so bad. It's good. Or what do they think about? Oh my gosh. So they, they're playing on that too. That's like, yeah, there, there's a little bit of action, but it, but it mainly just kind of focuses in on a kind of a parody of a general holiday special with, with uh, all the tropes and the cliches that you could throw into <laughs> a, a Marvel yeah. uh, holiday special. <laughs> yeah, tons of fun. I definitely recommend everybody check it out. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's worth watching. And I think it's building towards something for Guardians 3. Mm-hmm. So check it out. Check it out. I, th- I think it's worth it. All right. On to our, on to our next thing. The next couple Will hasn't seen, and one of them I'm, I'm kind of just disappointed. Tim Allen's The Santa Clauses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You need to come back on what's new once you once you've seen a couple, so we can talk about this. Because I actually am particularly interested in your take. This series is a it's fantastic. But the well, let me let is, me share real fast. Like the the whole Tim Allen Santa Claus movies and things were a little bit outside of my generation. Like it, it hit at a time when I didn't pay attention to that as much. So I really, they aren't a part of my like Christmas tradition or watching or like holiday movies. So it was, I guess they came out late nineties, mid nineties, hey, late nineties. Hey, I was cut that out. I'm trying to geek shame you. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I, I was like, you, you can, it just wasn't a part I'm of my just, repertoire. Uh, yeah. Of, <laughs> I was late high school, early college, and I just that wasn't paying attention. Yeah. To it. So okay. I know there's a whole generation. This is like, man, that's my Christmas movie. Yeah. My generation me, grew up with this. I was two when the first one came out. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So this is, you know, the generations after me, you know, they grew up. Their parents made them watch this because, you know, it's just fun Christmas stuff. But this is a TV series. And the premise really is, which also I have to point out one thing I love uh, his elf that he's hanging out with a lot of the time is named Noel and it's spelled N O E L. Okay. I got my family finally got some recognition in a Christmas movie 
Uh, for those who don't know, my name is spelled N-O-E-L, and we do pronounce it Noel. So I'm like, hey, hey, they, they, they threw that in there. They, you know, kind of gave me a bone, made me happy. Um, but the, the series really revolves. Santa is losing his magic. And there's this whole thing going on. And he's he ends up he's considering retirement, looking at who could possibly be a replacement. Could Peyton Manning replace Santa? They have a whole scene about that. Peyton Manning is in this doing an interview for Santa. Wow. Wow. It is. It's hysterical. It's goofy. It's funny. But it also gets to this is where I think it's a really good blend of the fun Christmas period and also some of this deeper stuff of, OK, uh, do I want to retire to spend more time with my family? Like, how important is that? But also we live in this paradise how is that affecting my kids? I mean, is it affecting them not being in the real world? And is taking them out of that cruel at this point? You know, do they belong here? Do they belong in the real world? What is who there? A lot of questions about identity, a lot of questions, you know, with Miss Claus of not having an identity, a lot of questions of when do you know it's time to move on? Because, you know, there's part of him that wants to stay here because it, and this is why I think it, your perspective would be really interesting. Part of him is, He's literally doing the most charitable thing in the world. Mm. Like that's his job. And how do you walk away from that because of your family? I mean, is that selfish even? And and I do wonder, I, th- I think that's something a lot of ministers face, which is why I think it's really interesting is how do you retire? How does ministry affect your family? You know, like when do you know to walk mm. away? When do you know what's good for your kids or not? And I, really challenging questions in this series. Yeah, and I, I I wrestle with that too. I've seen it happen in other places, but it's where like your identity is so attached to your vocation that you can't separate the two. And this idea of passing on to the next, or that you're a part of something that's larger than you that's going to move on without you, um, is is something really important to digest and, and think through. Like, yeah, I love my church, Holy Trinity, but hopefully. This church will live on past me <laughs> well, after yeah. I'm gone, whether it's yeah. whether I'm here another couple of years or 10 years or five years or, or whether I die um, and they have to go on. This church will hopefully last for another 100 years without me. So what I'm doing now is building upon a legacy that others hopefully will pick up. And I think I think that's a big a big part of it. Um, and, and so, yeah, that Santa being passed, passing on the mantle. To the, to the next one is is a big big part of that. I think that's yeah. that's a great um, great reflection, great yeah. great question to ask. And a lot of things they're they're hinting at, but they haven't got there yet. I think they're going to end up getting there. Is this idea of why does Miss Claus have no identity? Can a female be Santa Claus? I think they're going to go there. They haven't yet, but it kind of oh. seems like they're going to go there. Mm-hmm. And there's this there's this um, ethnic thing that the person right now that it looks is going to be the new Santa Claus is uh, Asian Indian. And I'm like, oh, that's um, okay. For for Tim Allen is what I'm thinking. You know, we we typically think of him as the super conservative guy. Everybody has this stereotypical ideas of what he's okay with. And here he is in the show that's really wrestling with the idea of how do we give opportunities to the minorities in the world? How do we give opportunities to women? And I, I think it's really powerful to see that it's not just liberals who can care about this. Yeah, that's interesting. What what uh, platform is this on? The Santa Claus? Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see where they go with it. A lot of people are just like, oh, it's just kind of men. I'm like, OK, first, there's the nostalgia bit that I love. And then there's these to me, I am really seeing these deep questions. And maybe it's because I'm watching it knowing I'm going to talk about it on this show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah, that's that, why I'm seeing something. That's right. But, there's definitely a way to man. if you know you got to talk about it and go a certain right there, you're looking different way you're looking at it from a different angle when, when you, know yeah. you have to do that. I started watching my shows a lot deeper than I did beforehand. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um but yeah, if I had to rate it right now, 
I'm a, it's hard for me to say because I, I it's like it's the story's not finished yet, right? But I, I'm going to say right now I'm giving it an eight with a big asterisk mark of if they finish the story well, it could be a nine or a ten. If they finish it poorly, it could be like a two. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? If they decide actually only Tim Allen can be Santa, that this story flunks. You know, <laughs> they need to pass it on well. And they need to explore these ideas of identity with different genders and ethnicities for me to really appreciate it. So nice. Nice. I think that's where they're going. I'm excited for it. Another one Pastor Will hasn't seen, Titans. I mentioned earlier, we're not going to stop here very long simply because we're going to talk about it in our HBO series next year. Season four right now. Fantastic. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I've given it an eight out of ten right now. Again, asterisk to see where the story goes, but you've seen a lot of this supernatural and magic versus, you know, sci-fi alien and kind of stuff. Um, a lot of the story revolves around Connor Kent, you know, Superman and Lex Luthor's clone child thing. It's long story <laughs> where he has felt, well, I'm invincible. Why don't I do more of the work? Why aren't I more a part of all this stuff? And all of a sudden he realizes he's actually not invincible against magic. If you didn't know this, one of Superman's weaknesses is magic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really fascinating to see that. And also the new magic character at one point stops and is praying. And you could tell like people don't say anything about it, but they're kind of like, what do you mean you're praying? <laughs> magic yeah. and prayer does it. You can't do both. <laughs> it's like, actually, magic works a little bit different in DC. It's not necessarily its own religion or anything. It's just, it, it's a thing. Yeah. So Titans revolves around kind of the original teen Titans and, you know, Dick Grayson, uh, the original Robin who eventually becomes Nightwing. Uh, so there's a lot of, a lot of backstory there. And I do like Nightwing as a character. I, I love Dick Grayson. So cool. Um, and, and when this series first started, uh, hit the, hit the, the streaming services, I did not have HBO max. So I was, I fell behind, did not uh, watch it. Yeah, and so that's too. why I haven't, um, it's there staring at me. I'd love, I love to watch it and I'd love to get to it at some point, but, and I, and I do like the teen Titans. I like, I like Nightwing a lot. And I, and I know this has a different take, a little bit darker tones than say, say the comics, but I, um, yeah, at some point yeah. I'll definitely get to it. Yeah. You have to be open to it being different from the teen Titans. Uh, same kind of characters, but very different. How they get their powers is a little bit different. The story is different. And I am told if you're a DC comic book reader, it's a lot more frustrating because they do a lot of these stories you're really familiar with and they kind of, you know, mess it up. <laughs> but for someone who's not familiar with the stories at all, I'm just having fun with it. So there you go. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not that familiar with the, those comics as, as others. So maybe I would go in and go, yeah, I know a little bit about where, where they're going, but not so much. So they're like, if they're going off script or not using the original source material to where I can get all been out of shape about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so funny though. Cause one of my best friends is a huge DC guy. So I'm talking to him about Titans and he can't stand to watch it. Cause how much like they're going off these stories that he's love and they're messing it up or whatever. But he hears me talking about it. He gets so excited. He's like, oh, you finally know the story of Red Hood. Okay, well, here's how it happened in the comics. I'm like, hey, that's cool. Yeah, I like this story. So we're experiencing the same stories differently. And it allows us to talk about stuff that I probably wouldn't have read just because I have a harder time reading some of the DC stuff. But I hear you. Yeah, and it's, and it's funny. It's like the TV lures you to read the comics and the comics lures you to watch the TV shows. In the same way that people have their favorite novels uh, or favorite books uh, made into movies are like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they, they, Percy Jackson is my favorite book of all time. And I can't believe what that. they did with the movie and they messed it up. And then all the fan base is really excited about the new TV show. My daughter included excited about oh, yeah. what they're going to do with the, the episodic uh, storytelling of, of this book and, and making things right again. As you yeah. Could say. And that, that was another one. I, I, I think I was I was geek shamed on this show. 
<laughs> my cousin Allie and one of our other previous co-hosts, Alex, were talking about uh, Percy Jackson. Yeah. The books. And they were like, and Josh likes the movie. And it's because he hasn't read the book. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. And now I'm not going to read the book because I enjoyed that movie. <laughs> and now everybody's like, well, the, the show's going to be even more like the book. So it's going to be so much better. And I'm like, hey, I'm excited for something even better because mm-hmm. I like the movie. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that tension. Right. That tension of, of book to film, film to book. Oh, is, man. Yeah. Is, 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 I, has uh, always been there and always will be. Have I told you how I how I had to do Harry Potter? No, I wasn't allowed to watch it or anything growing up. Uh, mm-hmm. So when I was in college, I finally got around to it and I started where I was reading the book and then watching the movie. I did that for the first one. I was like, wow, the movie's so much worse. Then I had this idea. I, I think I did it again for the second one. I was like, oh, the movie's so much worse. And then come the third one. I was like, what if I watch the movie first and then I read the book and I'll just be like the book's so much better. That worked great because I was like, man, there I love this go. movie. And I was like, oh, this book's nice. even cooler. Nice. And I did that all the way through the rest of them. And uh, nice. I think it's a good way of doing it. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't let the book ruin the movie. Just watch the movie first. It's fine. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's get to to uh, Will's most sacred of geekdoms. Oh, the Star headliner. Wars. The headliner. Star Wars. Yeah. We're talking about Andor. It's recently just finished, right? The the series just finished. Was it a week did. or two ago? It did last week. All right. Uh, tell us why why you want to talk about it. I'm gonna let you lead this one. Well, I think it is such a different tone from what else. What other Star Wars content has become in this kind of post-George Lucas era, Disney, um, the, the the Disney Star Wars verse, like in terms of what they've done and what they have created. I, I do think Disney has had a hard time figuring out what to do about the, the legacy characters and the original trilogy and, and the prequel trilogy. But when they have their own characters, they've been really able to lead into some good storytelling. So here's Andor, one of the fan mm. favorites. What people will say you know, it's one of the, their favorite movies of the Disney era of Star Wars is uh, is Rogue One. And so Great they're like, movie. okay, cool. They It's it's people's favorite. People like it. Let's lean into this more. So they created the show all around casting Andor, uh, the Rebel, um, and, and his attachment and growth and how he joined the Rebel Alliance. Alliance. And um, Gilroy, who, who wrote and directed a lot of this show, has been on record as saying that he's not, he didn't grow up a Star Wars fan. He's not a big Star Wars fan. He doesn't have any like this baggage or attachment to the Star uh-huh. Wars franchise. He just <laughs> wants to tell a good story. He's, he, he was at, um, he did the Born Identity movies. And so he just wants to tell a good spy thriller. And man, that's what he did. And so I think for us older Star Wars uh, fans, um, it, it took a while to kind of figure out what they're doing with this and what the tone was. It is extremely slow. They are hanging on scenes way too long. They are, uh, we're leaning into conversations and characters. It's not like, you know, if we were going to say like the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special is a lot of fun and not a lot of depth, uh, then, then Andor, I could say is, is, um, uh, not, not fun and a lot of depth. Like this is not meant to be a fun, like popcorn thriller at the movie theater. There's not a lot of action except for very strategic spots in this 12 episode mm-hmm. story arc. And they actually build like these three episodes, six episode story arcs that lead to something. So a couple of you are like, where's this going? I thought we were going to get to this bank heist, you know, two episodes ago. But they're, they're really building these characters and really trying to help you um, care for these characters because you know they're not going to last. And then um, why why is this rebellion even starting? Yeah, you have the mystical force users who um, who are kind of the backbone and the religious uh, religion and faith behind uh, the rebellion. The, may the force be with you. But man, we forget about the 
the, the blue collar worker who's there on the ground, who has no attachment to the force whatsoever. They're just trying to survive in this oppressive universe. And so it really leaned into that hard and, and the politics behind it. Um, so, so I, I really loved it. I, I admit it's slow. It's not a kid's show. You, if you're going to sit an eight year old in front of it and be like, let's have like a fun star Wars, um, movie, they're going to be like, what, what, what is going on here? So it's, it's different. Um, but when it's all said and done after 12 episodes and what they built towards and the payoff in the end, man, I, I, they, I thought they knocked it out of the park and, and I'm going to rewatch it all the way through to, to admire the details and the cinematography photography and, and the speeches and uh, what they did to create this series. Yeah, there, there was a lot I did love. I loved the characters. I loved the cinematography. I loved the feel of it. It was the first show that really, of all the stuff, we've done a lot of stuff that was supposed to be between three and four in the Star Wars universe, right? This is the first one that felt like it was between the two to me. Where I was like, I kind of get some of the feel of the prequel and I get some of the feel of the original. I'm like, okay, so this actually feels like mm-hmm. the middle spot. So that was done really well. Uh, but yeah, like Will said, <laughs> It, it, it's long and for me it drug on a little too long i actually stopped watching it like after episode six or something and uh, i had to finish watching it this weekend when i was like oh we're gonna talk about it okay let me let me finish up and yeah i wasn't disappointed those last two episodes man those were fantastic they're like episode three and then those last two episodes i loved i loved them a lot i, I really liked the other ones but those really stood out to me you know, you could say, are they filler or what's going on here? Do you really need that much? But I, but I think with the, what their story they're trying to tell, that pays off. And it lets these kind of big action or heavy moments um, really carry carry extra weight with it. And I think some of the acting along the way, some of the speeches and oh, character yeah. development and conversations, I, I will go on a limb and say, say Emmy worthy. I, I think that I, I will not be surprised if it gets some Emmy nominations when it comes to not just the, the set design and the sound, which Star Wars usually gets, you know, they, they get us through bone, through a few bones thrown towards it in the Oscars or the Emmys because of like, oh, cool special effects in the sound and the, those kind of technical aspects of it. But I really think the acting and the weight of the characters and what they're mm-hmm. going through and what they're trying to accomplish uh, could, could win some awards. And if it doesn't, that's fine. But man, uh, Luthen, uh, the mystery around Luthen, this character, is he a Jedi? He's, he's, He's bankrolling the rebellion. He's sacrificing people. He's given some some conversations around like, um, you know, what he has sacrificed and what he continues to sacrifice and wrestle with with this growing rebellion. Oh man, just the way of it all is is there. Just is so good, so good. I I can't express enough how much I love that character and and where he took Star Wars on in terms of depth. Interesting. That character really didn't stand out that much to me. <laughs> Oh, and, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm Josh with the wrong opinion, right? I know most people loved Andor a lot more than I did. I, I did really like it, mind you. I just, my attention span is only so long. Yeah. For those who don't know, ADHD. Some things are hard to watch. I loved Dune, but it was hard to watch. The only long thing I can get through is the extended cut of Lord of the Rings. And even then, back in the day, I had to watch like 30 minutes at a time and come back. And sometimes I still have days where I'm like, okay, I love this, but I can only watch like 20 minutes. <laughs> So, you know, it's just a matter of breaking it up for people like me who just kind of have some of this stuff to deal with. Um, but but what did stand out to me, 
I loved how they humanized some of the people in the Empire and the Senate at this time. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they were real people. They weren't just, you know, generic bad guy. We had a guy who's genuinely part of the Empire and another lady who really thinks they're doing the right thing. Not just I work for the Empire. Empire says kill you. I kill you. No, they people who genuinely believe in the cause of the Empire. Right. And you see some of these senators who are still trying to turn some of the pieces and, and be lights in the darkness and some of the kind of shady stuff they have to do to try and do that. It, fantastic. I love how they did that. I also I, I think the one scene of the the hologram where the lady, um, his mom oh, is yes. speaking at her own funeral where they're going to you know turn her to a brick. And she says, I wish I would have fought sooner. And she gives this huge speech ending with fight them now, fight the empire. And it breaks into this huge all out rebellion scene. And I'm like, man, that that was in the way she delivered that speech. Powerful. I could almost just have that on recording and just play it to myself every now and then just to encourage myself in real life. Very inspirational. And if you notice, the guy who's carrying her brick actually used the brick to knock somebody yeah. out. So she actually did <laughs> fight in the rebellion. Oh, uh, like, yeah. So that was so cool. <laughs> Man. Yeah. And, and, and a part of that, too, like I think she, one of her, was it her speech or somebody's uh, conversation or a flashback to Andor um, was that I, she said, or maybe it was just dad. I, I need to go back and watch, but it was, the phrase, I love you more than you could do wrong. And, and man, yeah, that was, I, it was so powerful that I was like, man, that'll preach. If there isn't a, a phrase about grace that you couldn't really lean into is that, you know, God loves us more than what we could do, wrong. that that outweighs anything we could do wrong. And so, yeah, he's got to find his way. He has his own journey. He's, he's, he's really selfish through the entire 11 episodes. Oh, By yeah. the time you get to the end, He's like, yep, I knew you were going to try and kill me, uh, but you can either take me in and be a part of this rebellion. I'm a part of it now. I saw what it could do uh, when I was working in the literally the, the, the brickyard or the prison and I'm building like uh, the irony of him building um, material that eventually is going to be a part of the Death Star that's eventually going to kill him yeah. later on is is like so, Ooh, so incredible. I didn't think about that. Exactly. He created this, the parts that would eventually kill him. But that is what pushed him over the edge to see like, nope, we got to tell others. We got We're going to be so invested in this. We're going to do what it takes to topple this empire. And it's not just Jedi and force users. It's, it's those, the boots on the ground, the blue collar workers who are inspired. And, and that guy's manifesto, the Karis's manifesto journal, the book where he's talked about how oppression is the, is, is just a mask of fear is the mask of fear. And so you think about all those oh, man, places yeah. in our world that, you know, really try to hone in to, to gatekeep or to oppress or to, or, or whatever it's because there's this fear of change, fear of, of loss of identity, the fear of, of losing power and influence that, that, that those kind of small uh, choices or breaking bad moments and lead you down a road um, until you figure out, Oh man, I'm, I'm the enemy here. Uh, it was so nuanced. So I, I think oh, yeah. people are expecting a book oh, yeah. of Overfed or Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi or Mandalorian. Andor was totally different. And if you really sit and listen to the conversations and the nuance behind the rebellion and and why the rebellion is what it is and and really you know, is it, is it, are these a small band of rebels or is this a terrorist organization? And it helps us reflect on our own control, our own world, our own police force, our own military, our own lives. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it, it, talk about holding up a mirror. I think this show does that. And you, once you kind of figure out 
and know what it is and what it isn't, perhaps it'll let, it'll free you to to see a deeper level what it, what it's trying to do. Yeah, I love how they did that because a lot of times we think of aggression as strength and fear as weakness. But in reality, most of the time people are acting as oppressors or acting aggressive because they're scared. Exactly. So that that was really cool. And, and you know, fear leads to the leads to whatever, you know, eventually leads to the dark side. You know, that whole Yoda saying mm-hmm. you've seen it played out in this show. Um, also, I just want to quick random thing. Will is going to go to Galaxy's Edge soon. So he, he'll see what I'm talking about. I'm hoping so. It looks like that's going to happen. And and uh, man, so so may I. I'll give my report um, when I come back. And I know when I see the Millennium Falcon um, with my own eyes, I might get a little teary. Oh, yeah. See what happens. Yeah, I I'm sure my daughter was literally speechless me. the first time I saw it. <laughs> I'm sure my daughter will record me as I turn the corner to, to take a look at that. What's so. funny is there's a picture of me just staring and pointing with my jaw dropped, and it looks like a very like posed kind of photo. No, that was literally Tiffany just taking a picture without my own awareness. <laughs> that was actually just that animated about it yeah anyway what i was gonna say though is in the droid depot where you can create your own droid the tools that you use in there it's the exact same vibe in the show when they're building the stuff i'm looking at they're going yeah. oh and it, it it brought that piece to life that i've done something like that before and i was like oh that was so cool so after you go you need to rewatch some of them building and be like oh yeah that was kind of cool well and I think that, that's part of the thing about this show is like what is the vibe what is the tone like i mean i think there's so much Star Wars content and there is a vibe and a tone for every age group, every kind of genre or flavor you want. If you want an ice cream sundae, cool. If you want a steak, cool. If you want a salad, do you have a salad? It's like, what kind of Star depth Wars. or tone or vibe do you want? And this was something different. And there's a lot of critics who are like, yeah, finally we get a Star Wars that like for grownups that like, but then there's someone who's like, well, you can go too far that edge and, and leave out a little bit of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. I, there are some episodes where I, like, um, I think I maybe saw one droid, one alien. I, I, am I in the <laughs> Star Wars universe or not? I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I Going back to, to the lady's speech, because th- this was the thing that was the coolest to me. You were talking about holding up a mirror, right? And she said, we've been asleep. Mm. Darkness crept up on us. The Empire crept up on us. We thought this was a good thing. And all of a sudden, we're seeing that we're surrounded by darkness. And, you know, I'm looking at today, right? We're, we're in America and we're seeing the, the visceral in our politics. We're seeing the church back things that I would have never imagined the leaders that some, some churches are backing today. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this going, we're asleep mm-hmm. and it's time we wake up and fight. And I was like, man, I want to go to every church in America <laughs> and just play this clip from Star Wars and door. Cause Very I'm like, we are asleep. <laughs> And Time we're to wake up. This. We're in the season of Advent uh, leading up to Christmas. And so it's, it's a very much a, um, Advent has those themes of it's, it's time to wake up. Do not sleep. Uh, uh, don't don't miss Christ coming by um, by being asleep and and perhaps um, missing Christ there in your presence. Yeah. All right. So, um, Joshua, do you think Luthen? is a Jedi or just uh, a rich antiquities uh, archaeologist who's bankrolling the rebellion? Mm, neither. <laughs> oh, I, I, I kind of think he's, he's going to be some kind of anti-hero where maybe he still has like in touch with the dark side of the force or something. Maybe he's still like Sith ish, but sees the empire is more wicked. I, I'm, I'm going anti-hero with him. 
Oh, that's good. Some kind Star Wars of, some, something new. I feel like it's gonna be something new. I I like that take. That that's good. Like I, what do you? Yeah, what I, do you th- th- I think he's a a jaded uh, Jedi who saw the downfall. He's not quite Sith, Dark Lord, and he could just be like a rich dude who has all the resources at his disposal, and he's he's trying to do this underneath the nose of the Empire. But but I think that ship when it when it did like a lightsaber twist. It was like mm. a lightsaber twit. Like we've never seen that in Star Wars <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah, I was, was like, weird. whoa, but it was red and he's using a kyber crystal, um, perhaps to have that happen like a mini death star laser destroy. I, I don't know. Um, so, so yeah. And there was a time when he was, you know, he was riding that motorcycle like ship through, um, on that planet that mirrored very much uh, what Darth Maul was doing. And he had like a cloak, mm. a dark yeah. cloak to put on. So there, there were shades of, of Darth Maul, but yet he's also wants to fight against the rebellion. So has he been spurred as, has he been jaded or as Palpatine done something? I don't know if they're going to bring in Palpatine or any legacy characters like Darth Vader or anything, but I think it would be cool if he had some either Jedi or Sith ties oh, yeah. um, to where like, but I like the idea of like more like he's anti here's he's the Punisher yeah. of, of the, I, uh, the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Yeah. Did I tell you that I, I'm going to meet Darth Maul in two weeks? Ooh, the guy who played him. Uh, Park, yeah. Yeah. Ray Parker. Ray Parker. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be at my comic book store here in Charlotte. Super excited. <laughs> you should challenge him, him to like a kickbox. Uh, I am going to, because I know TJ doesn't listen to our own podcast, TJ, our other co-host, his favorite Star Wars character is Darth Maul. I'm getting the Darth Maul comic book, having Ray Parker sign it for him, and that's going to be his Christmas present. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) All right. Andor, zero to 10. Where are you you going? I'm I'm at um, at a nine. Uh, Because I knew going in that this was going to be like, a three season series. So I knew it was going to, there's a long way to go. I knew it wasn't going to just be 10 mm-hmm. episodes and that's it. 12 episodes. That's it. We knew the Obi-Wan series was only going to be like six episodes. And that's it. But this yeah. one I knew was going to be 12 episodes and we're going to get more seasons. So I was like, I'm in for the long haul. And so I didn't go in thinking it was going to do a lot of the, like he wasn't going to join the rebellion until the very end or even not till season two. So, so I went in knowing that. So I give it a, a, a nine for just where I am uh, yeah. in life. I um, I'm gonna give two. I'm gonna give two. For me personally, I'd probably give it a six because okay. it, it was so long. And I, I like my Star Wars to have a Grogu, an Ewok, even a Jar Jar. You know, some, something funny, something fun and lighthearted. <laughs> I like that in the mix. Yeah, I'm I'm the weirdo who loves Jar Jar. My wife actually talked about getting a Jar Jar tattoo next to her Darth Vader tattoo, and I'm like, yeah, I'm all for it. Let's do it. And other oh, people are like Jar Jar is the worst thing that's ever happened to Star Wars. Eh, shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you know, whatever. Like what you like, don't be a jerk, as uh, as Joe says, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as our new T-shirts are gonna say, oh. I also, if I had to rate it for other people, for other people who aren't me, <laughs> I'd give it an eight. Is the nice. only thing that's holding me back is that it's, it's a little dry, it's a little long, and I like fun stuff. If you like more serious, drawn out things that are really taking the time to build characters. This is an excellent show. I don't want to disparage it at all. And that's why I'm giving two, two ratings. <laughs> Boom. There you yeah. go. That's, awesome. Awesome. That's legit. So uh, with that said, are you ready to wrap this one up then? Wrap it up. All right. Here we go. Ending our first What's News episode. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye. No. All right, guys. Uh, we are still going to do our recommendations. I am going to recommend watch Tim Allen's The Santa Clauses. That's going to be mine. I, I know we talked about it earlier. If I had to pick one of these four, that's the underdog pick for me. 
is where I thought it was just going to be cheesy, whatever. And Disney's just grabbing for money. And then I see it and I'm like, oh, no, there's so much depth to this. So that's my underdog pick. Watch that. Well, let's do it that way. If you had to pick one of these four as like you're going to recommend one of these four, they're only going to watch one. Are you saying Andor? Oh, yeah. Especially if you're a Star Wars fan. It's a, it's a must see as a Star Wars fan. If you um, yeah, if you're if you're not like that big on Star Wars and you don't want the in-depth storytelling, you don't feel like I mean, you could you could enjoy Star Wars and watch the movies and not ever watch Andor and you'd be fine. Uh, but but if you really care about these characters, uh, then, then it's a must see. Um, if you want something lighthearted, then, then Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Yeah, that was that was and, so and much. Just fun. go in having fun, and 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 you will. Yeah, I would Especially prefer if you're, not if miss you like any music. Of these. <laughs> if you like, if you like music, and good soundtracks, man. Yeah, I I, uh, I told you about my holiday variety pack. I added that. I added the song to to it. Yeah. Like, this is great. It was so much fun. Uh, I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here. Santa Claus has a flamethrower, and. If you want to know more, check out that. And if you want to hear more from us, go to systematicgeekology.org. I'm making some updates over there, so fun to check it out. Hit the host tab. You'll see Will and my name there. Click on our names. You'll see every episode we're on and some of the other stuff we do outside of this show. Uh, Soon we're going to be writing some more blogs and reviews and stuff like that there as well. So be on the lookout. And guys, um, if you want to let us know what you're geeking out on or what you think we should check out, same website. There's a tab for that. Just let us know. And do us a favor and remember that we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priest. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.